up our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done
Light in the darkness, my 
Lord, we just, we thank you for this time that we've had, Lord, to just come before you to worship together. We ask that you would allow our hearts to remain open as we get into the word. Thank you. Amen. So we're going to take a short break right now. Um, We're going to reset some things on the stage, and then we'll be right back with uh, the word. There we go. Okay, we are... We are on and we are live. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it is my privilege to get to uh, share from God's Word with you this morning. Uh, I was with Bob Friday. He is helping uh, his daughter Reagan move this weekend. And so he asked uh, if I could fill in. Uh, he did tell me, he said, uh, it's going to feel awkward. You know, it's different. Uh, and, and right now, you know, there's a bunch of people live streaming at home. And welcome everyone who's watching at home. Uh, he said it would feel awkward, and I was reminded of one time I was speaking at a Young Life Club, and uh, we, it was at Harrisonburg, Virginia, a long time ago, and uh, was standing right in front, and I'm, and I'm giving a club talk. I don't remember what it was about, but it was right at the beginning of the time where people had cell phones. And uh, this one young lady in the front row, her name was Brooklyn, uh, got a phone call while I was giving the talk and took the call. And uh, so the phone rings, and I'm kind of looking at her like, hey, can you turn that off? And she's like, hello, you know, and not realizing that it's maybe not the way to handle it. And so she goes on to have this, you know, mini conversation with her friend. She's literally, she's like, oh, I'm at Young Life Club. Yeah, he's giving the talk now. You know, it's like, and I think she's like, hey, is it almost over? And, you know, she's going on and on. So if I could suffer that, uh, this is going to be pretty fun. So let me pray. I'm going to pray for us as we get started. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be together this morning. I'm grateful for everyone in this room and for the people that are, are watching online. And Lord, as we begin, um, you know that we as a people, as a nation, have deep need today. Lord, and obviously dealing with a, a global pandemic is something that is unusual um, and very difficult and we, we pray for your hand, your healing hand uh, in the pandemic, Lord, that you would, you would protect people, that you would spare life, and that you would bring this to an end. And Lord, in, in the other things that we're dealing with of the nation, Lord, so much anger and frustration and justifiable uh, grief at the way the system has failed people, Lord, uh, Lord, we pray for our country and for, for a healing that only you can bring. Politics can't fix this, Lord, but only you can bring. So we pray for your healing, Lord. And I confess, I don't know what to do in either situation. But Lord, I know that I can trust you. And I do pray that, Lord, for each of us in this room and as we're watching at home, that as you call us, uh, to, to action, to obey, Lord, that you'd help us to be faithful to that. Let us listen, let us seek you, let us listen to you, and then help us to do what you want us to do. Give us wisdom and grace and a time that maybe for all of us is uh, the time where, where we have needed to rely on you for that the most. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, if I had to title today's sermon, and they, usually, they tell you to do this, um, I, I would title it, God Pursues Us Even When We Fight Him. Um, and and I, this story might fit the cl- current climate, um, this passage we're going to look at from Isaiah, but that's not, that's not why I chose it. Um, during the last month or two, 
this is a passage that has been really familiar to me and, and one that I've, I've loved for a long time, but, but I've kind of fallen in love with it again as I've looked at it, read it a little more depth and studied it more. We're not going to look at it just yet. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 30 in a minute. But first, uh, to sort of set this up, I need to tell a story uh, that happened uh, to my family, to one of my kids in particular a number of years ago. Um, if, you, if you're lucky, you've seen a show called Finding Bigfoot. Okay, a lot of reaction there. I'm sure everyone at home has seen it too. This was a show about 10 years ago that was a huge deal uh, on Animal Planet, and it is the most ridiculous show I've ever seen. It's four people that are quote-unquote experts in Bigfoot research, and they hear about a Bigfoot sighting, and they travel to, you know, wherever this is. Usually it started in the Pacific Northwest, but then at the end they were looking for the Grassman and Straw. They were like in Connecticut and, you know, Ohio, all these sort of things. But they would go and they would be, uh, you know, in the woods, and they would have the night vision cameras and all that stuff up, and they would go, and you, would, you know, they would be going through, and then you would hear a, a branch snap, and immediately you're like, well, that's a Sasquatch, and I'm watching TV going, probably not, you know, it's, it could be any other animal in the forest, or just a, a branch that got weighed down by rain or some anything, but it, literally everything was like that, so we would watch this every week. Uh, as a family, so my kids were, uh, my old, two older ones were in middle school, and, uh, and it just became this sort of ridiculous entertainment we would see. Well, my oldest son, Will, and he and his friends, you know, this was at that age where they would kind of go around and explore around the neighborhood, and uh, when he and his buddies would get together, they would say, hey, we want to go bigfooting, and, and in the, the neighborhood where we live, there's an elementary school, and behind it, there's a, a small piece of woods, and they would kind of go over there and walk around, and it was kind of their fun little, you know, uh, coming-of-age uh, exploration of, of our, our neighborhood. And so one night, it was three of them, and it was dark. Uh, I don't remember what time of year it was, um, but uh, they're like, hey, we're going to go over to Mount Vernon, and we're going to go bigfooting. And we're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And so they all had these little headlamps. You know, and when they went out, they, were, they fancied themselves real explorers. And uh, my, my wife and I decided this one night, we thought, hey, it would be really fun to go scare them. And so we got in our car, and we drove all the way around, and, I had, uh, and, and we stood at the opening to the woods. Now, what, I, what we had done is I had on like a, a black sweatshirt and black sweatpants, and I had taken an old T-shirt and cut one eye hole out of it. So it was a black t-shirt. So I was, I mean, when I saw myself, I was afraid. It was like, if you, if you came up in the woods and saw me, it would be scary. So we're standing there waiting at the mouth of the woods, and uh, we see these three little headlamps bobbing, and we know they're coming. And you, know, you can hear them talking a little bit. And one of the things that they would do on this show <laughs> is they would do Bigfoot calls in the woods. And so, and they would be like, you know, and like, and they would listen, and then they're like, did you hear that? And no one ever, you know, on TV, you never hear anything. They're like, yeah, I heard it. And you're like, there's nothing happened, you know. So these boys, they start doing their little Bigfoot calls, you know, you know, whatever. And uh, all you can see is the little lamps, you know, and they're getting closer. And they're, they're probably 100 yards or so away. And so I finally look at my wife, and I'm like, when they do a Bigfoot call, I'm going to do one back. And so they do it, you know. And I let out, the, I'm like, as loud as I can. And the best thing was, like, the three of them, you want to talk about abject panic. 
thank God for the headlamps because we could see them dancing around. And, and the three of them, like, like uh, intense panic sets in, and like they sort of ran around in a circle for a minute, you know, like, like just not knowing what to do, and then they took off like a shot. And I mean, my wife and I were laughing so hard, it took us a few minutes to collect ourselves. And we literally, I think we waited years to tell the kids that it was us the whole time. But obviously they ran back home. Here's the point of that. We all have plans and ideas uh, about what life's going to be like. Uh, and and with they, those boys, they were all in. They were all into exploring and, and checking out the woods and being brave until things got out of control and something happened that they didn't expect. And that's a lot like the situation all of us are in right now for one reason or another. And here's the truth. It would be true of most people in this room, even not in the context of a global pandemic. It would still be true. It's just a, a, maybe a heightened sense of truth going through this today. Now, the context of the passage we're going to look at, it's Isaiah chapter 30, verses 15 to 18. And let me explain how it relates to my Bigfoot story. Uh, the Israelites are trying to uh, make an alliance to defeat the Assyrians. They have the Assyrians on one side and the Egyptians on the other. And so they're at this place where they feel very vulnerable. Uh, and they're at this place where they're, they're trying to protect their people. That sounds familiar to us. And, and so what they do, sort of the, God has said, I will deliver you. You don't, need, you don't need to do anything other than what I tell you. But in spite of what God tells them to do, they disobey, and they make an, uh, um, an alliance with the Egyptians to defeat the Assyrians. And God has said, don't do that. I will protect you. I will take care of you. That's the context of this passage. I'll read it to you now. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 15 to 18. This is what the sovereign Lord the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, we will you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Now, to start, I want to highlight four key words in this passage. In verse 15, it talks about, it talks about repentance and rest. Repentance in the Bible, there's, there's different ways to define it, but it literally means you're going one direction. Am I walking off? I didn't realize I think about walking off the camera. You're literally going one direction, and you stop and you turn. And you hear this, turn away from your sinner. That's what repentance means. It's like you're going one way, and you stop and you turn, and you go back the other way. Um, and repentance is one of those things. Remember, repentance and rest are linked to salvation. God's saying, hey, this is this is. I offer you salvation. For salvation, you do this. You repent and you rest. And I'll talk about what, what rest is in a, in a, in a minute. 
Another way to think about repentance is you have the jersey on of one team, and you take that jersey off and you put on the jersey of another team. From, or turning away from something and back to something else, and then a movement towards that. Repentance. This season for me has revealed some areas in my life where I need to repent. And outside of the pressure and the tension of the current climate, I probably wouldn't have noticed it was a big deal. So one of my questions for you is, what do you need to repent of? God can use all things for good. And, and what, is he, what, what area in your life right now is he pressing on and saying, hey, you need to pay attention to this. For every one of us, there's something. What do you need to repent of? What do you need to turn away from and turn back to the Lord? There's a lot of, a lot of ways we can experience that right now. God says, it's important to us to notice this, repentance and rest, this is where real life is. Like we, we don't necessarily think, we think real life is being able to do whatever we want when we want. God says that's not true. Real life is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ, dying to yourself, things like that. So what we think, sometimes we're like, oh, real life is total freedom, getting to do whatever we want with no limitation. Not true. God says in repentance and rest, is your salvation. Now, why, why is rest important? Let me, let me read one more thing about repentance, and I'll get to that. It says, the call to repentance on the part of a man or woman is a call for them to return to his or her creaturely and covenant dependence on God. I hope for each one of us, when we repent, it causes us to a deeper dependence on God. You and I having control and being able to dictate the parts of our life that we think we, is really more of an illusion than we thought it was. And I think this, this season exposes that. We want to return to our creaturely and covenant dependence on God. Now, why is rest part of salvation? Why does that matter? Repentance and rest, how do they go together? Well, rest in this passage doesn't just mean you get to take a nap. You know, it doesn't just mean, hey, you get to have downtime. I know we're all probably a little sick of some of the downtime we've had at home. That's not what it means. There's a, in, in the Psalms, it talks about, uh, God is talking about this, and he says, those who don't repent, those who don't know me, they will never enter my rest. Well, what does that mean? Because that's a strange, you know, you know, it means people that follow God won't go to sleep, or won't get to take nap. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Rest in the Bible means this. The ability to be satisfied with what God has accomplished. So, so you and I can lay down the efforts we're putting together, putting forth. You and I can lay down the stress of feeling like we need to control all things. It is, it is being able to be satisfied with what God has done. It is literally the principle we use for the Sabbath. God rested on the seventh day. Was he tired? Of course not. God rested on the seventh day because he was satisfied with what he had accomplished. And so when God tells us to take a Sabbath, to have rest, he is saying that is your way to acknowledge that you are satisfied with what God has done. And so when we do that, when we, have, when we embrace that kind of rest, we say, Lord, I, I, you know what? You have accomplished this. I don't need to do anything because you've accomplished this, that's real rest. 
That's, what, that's why they're tied together. Repentance and rest go together. Now, I think uh, as we follow Christ, I think there's a temptation for us to try to add things to Jesus' work. And I think one question for us to ask this morning is, what, what do you try to add to Jesus' work? Jesus' incarnation, death, and resurrection is enough. What do we try to add to that? It's our nature, um, it's our nature as, as a mark of the fall to, to, I would say, we're kind of locked in this prison of self. We think about ourselves all the time. We are our own favorite subject. Uh, and we see the world through our lens. Where are we, where, what are you tempted to add to the work of Jesus Christ? Now, the next part talks about quietness and trust. Those are the next two words I want to I put in. And it says that this is where we, we get our strength. There, that's where we get our strength. Quietness here, the translation, literally means the land had peace. It's an absence of fighting. It's also sometimes the word they would use uh, for what they would call a jubilee year with the crops where they wouldn't work the land. So it's, it's saying that it's, it's a time where men and women are not putting forth effort, not toiling. So quietness. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Are you taking time to be still and know that he is God? The second piece, trust. Now, we know, we know this word. We talk about it a lot, you know, to put your trust in Jesus. Um, but but it, is, it is easier said than done. In this passage, you'll see, God says, don't make this alliance. They make the alliance. And he says, quietness and trust, you put your confidence, you put your confidence in Jesus. And it, but they said, no, they, they relied on the strength of horses. And it says fast horses. Hey, you know what? We're going to have better equipment now that we've made this alliance with the Egyptians. We're going to be better prepared. God offers them salvation through repentance and rest he asked them for quietness and trust with him and then it says i, I think this phrase I, I absolutely love this phrase it says but you would have none of it now any parent in this room instantly gets that you would have none of it uh, any any kid you know you're, you're trying to give them something good and they are fighting you at every turn um but the truth is, this is this, when I say this passage reflects my heart, that's me a lot of the time. God is trying to give me something good, and I am literally saying, hey, I've got this. I, I want to handle it my way. I understand my life better than you do, God. And that phrase, but you would have none of it, is true every one of us at different points. I'm trying to think of a couple ways to illustrate it, and I, I have two of them with my, with my son, my youngest son, the first one, um, when he was a little kid, uh, going to preschool and then kindergarten, uh, he hated to wear underwear. Just didn't, didn't believe in it. And uh, I hadn't thought very much about, you know, the societal reason for underwear or the intellectual, 
you know, backing for that. But he asked me, I was like, hey, man, you got to wear underwear. Like, when you go to school, you have to. And he would say, why? And I was like, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, do you Google that? Probably not. So, so we would have these conversations about it. And, uh, and I would try to convince him, you know, that, hey, this is generally, you know, what you do. It's just what people do. And, but he would have none of it, you know, and it took him a while uh, to kind of get on board that. The other example that I think is a little bit better, uh, we were at Bush Gardens once, and the same, my son Emmett did, did not like heights when he was little, and he's, you know, he uh, really did not like them. There were certain things he would do, and then certain things he would not, he would not do, and so we were at the end of uh, kind of a long day there. We were all tired, and we came to the, to the sky ride, the sky cars at Bush Gardens. We were going to take the sky cars uh, across to get back to where we were parked, and you know, it was way better than going across the whole um, park. And so we go to the sky car, and me and my two older kids get in one because I think the max is four. So I'm like, okay, I'll take these two, and my wife takes Emmett. And uh, Emmett, Emmett, I mean, to say that he didn't want to go is an understatement. And he literally fought my wife to get in the sky car. And, you know, you're sitting there and you're watching this, and as a parent, you're like, is this, is this terrible? Like, are we doing the wrong thing? And so we got, we, we, we took off, you know, we're, we're starting, and we're looking back, and all we can see is my wife's head, because my son is literally on the ground spread eagle. Like, he is not, he doesn't want to see over the edge. And here is this thing that we're trying to offer, and we're saying, hey, this is, this is very safe. We would never put you in harm's way as your parents. You know that. As a parent, you never would. And this is going to, you're exhausted, and this is going to save you all this effort. And it's, it's, gonna, it's quite pretty. Like, if you want to look out, it's a, it's a great view. He didn't see one leaf on that ride. But, but it's the idea that, hey, look, we're trying to help you. you. You don't know what you need. We do, and we would never put you in a position to be in harm's way but he would have none of it. That's how we are. That, that's the reality of us. Now, the best part of this, in spite of all of this, the way we respond, and I think it's important, you ask yourself right now, is there a place in your life where God is knocking and you, you would have none of it? Um, this verse, Isaiah 30, 18, I want to read again, because this is a beautiful verse. I'm going to unpack it a little bit and then we'll be done. It says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Now, in spite of us, in spite of all the ways we fight God, in spite of the fact here that the, that the Israelites did the opposite of what God asked them to do, he longs to be gracious to us, to us, and he longed to be gracious to them in that context. Think about that word longing. Every one of us here understands what longing is. It's something you have a deep desire for, and you've maybe waited a long time for it. I, the, what I think about when I think about this is I think about people that in our area, they're on, they go on military deployments. You know, sometime for a year or, you know, longer than that at a time. And they have a longing to be with their family again. Uh, like a, a longing that's, that's deep and longer lasting than one 
I've ever experienced. I, um, when I was doing seminary, I would go away for a couple weeks at a time. And it was especially hard when my children were little um, because I just missed them and my wife so bad. And I would, I would long to hold them in my arms. Again, I would be gone for two weeks. Some people it's, have done it much longer. And, and there are other longings too. People have longings for a relationship or a career, things like that. So we know what it is to long. But here it says the Lord longs to be gracious to us. That that is his deepest desire. And, and, it, and it has a couple of meanings. One is the one that we understand. One is that he longs to do this. That is his deepest desire and he can't wait for that moment. The other part about it is he is willing to wait until the right time. So, you know, when we think about praying to God, I, we were talking about this in our house, and, you know, God answers prayer always. It's just the answer is either yes, it's no, or it's not now. And God is willing to wait. When it says he longs to be gracious to you, it means he is willing to wait until the right time to be gracious to you. Now, the second part of the verse is, I think, uh, one of the cooler things I've ever understood. Uh, it, ta- it says... Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. In Hebrew, that word, that rise up, is room, like a, you know, uh, a, a bedroom or a bathroom, the same pronunciation. But, but the word means, uh, to, it's, it has two fundamental meanings. One, it is to be exalted. So God is exalted when he shows you compassion. And the second one, and this is the one that I want to spend a couple of minutes on, uh, is that he literally, he literally rises up. Where is Jesus Christ now? Seated at the right hand of the Father. And it says that he literally rises up and moves towards us. He rises to show you compassion. It is that kind of literal meaning. There's a verse, uh, Zechariah 2.13 can you guys bring it up there for me? I think I've got a copy of it right here. I do. It says, Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. That God has, and this is a, the, an introduction of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that he is, he is with God the Father, and that he is literally leaving that to come to us. He rises to show you compassion. God literally moves to you. He gets off of his throne and moves to you, to show you compassion. There's another verse, Acts uh, 7.56. This is uh, the stoning of Stephen. And what's happened is Stephen has explained the gospel at length to the religious leaders and everybody that's there. And because their part in the gospel is the crucifixion of the Messiah, they are... Uh, offended and incredibly angry. And so they decide to stone Stephen to death. And as this process is starting, Stephen says this. He says, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And the image that we have there is Jesus Christ coming off of his throne to Stephen who is going to meet Jesus face to face in a matter of minutes or maybe seconds, is that when the Bible talks about God longing to be gracious, 
It also includes his movement off of his throne. He comes to you. Like he, he is coming to Stephen in that very moment. That is a profound thought. Keep in mind, we are the people who would have none of it. But God longs to be gracious to you. And God rises, comes out of his throne to show you compassion. That's the thought. That's the scripture I want to leave us with today. I'm going to pray, uh, and then we will be done. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the gift of the gospel. Lord, that uh, while we would have none of it, you, you long to be gracious to us, and you rise to show us compassion. Help us to rest in that. Help us to take great comfort and ultimate peace in your finished work. Thank you that you love us that way. We don't deserve it and we didn't earn it. But because of who you are, you love us that way. God, I pray that you would bless us, these friends, uh, here in the, uh, in the building and online, Lord. Help us to follow you well. Lord, give us uh, grace and wisdom uh, as we move forward, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, you guys are, uh, we're wrapped up. You guys are free to go.